Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast. This is your host Brandon along with co-host Kyle, producer Chandler, and very special guest, our sound engineer has decided to bless us with his presence. Mr. Preston is here with us as well. As we dive What's up, what's up, what's up? As yeah, there he is. As we dive into a different uh direction. If anybody has listened to our last three podcasts leading into this episode, been very NFL heavy. You can thank co-host Kyle for that. He's a little obsessive when it comes to the NFL and just week after week, stat after stat. That's all he wanted to talk about. But ladies and gentlemen, for the love of all things good, it is time to move on to something a little bit more interesting than NFL football because it's the hot news right now. NFL is now in the past. The season's coming. We get that. But Major League Baseball is right around the corner. And so we want to dive into a little bit of baseball action. the the good thing is, is all four of us are extremely, extremely dedicated baseball fans, uh, especially if you're wearing the Atlanta A on the hat. We love everybody that's on that team. Uh, we love their minor league teams. We love everything about them. So we wanted to take an opportunity to dive into what in the world is going on with Major League Baseball. But just like everything else that we do, we like to have a little bit of fun. We like to make this a little bit more personable. And so we want to open this podcast by asking a simple question that we as sports fanatics constantly are asking ourselves on a day-to-day basis what are we doing to get our sports fix without really any sports and i'm going to be the first to answer this question my life is plain and simple when it comes to how i'm getting my sports fix we have a little kiddie pool i have a little daughter she sits on one side of the pool i sit on the other and i throw a little foam ball as hard as i can to see if she can catch it across that five foot diameter pool that's about all i get in sports outside of video games right now and uh, not to say it gives me my fix, but it gives me something. So that's all I have to look forward to every day. As long as it's hot outside is beaming that little four or beaming that little ball across that four or five foot wide pool at my almost three year old daughter. So uh, that's what I got. Nothing special. But, you know, that's my life. How about you, Kyle? What, what do you get? How are you getting your sports fix right now? Well, I guess you got to teach them to have fast hands while they're young. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> without having sports, um, as you mentioned, I do appreciate the NFL and I am a fan and it's kind of the only thing that's been going on. So the podcast has kind of been my sports fix during this time without having sports to watch. Always look forward to having the MLB in the summer evenings, you know, getting to hang out, watch a Braves game in the evening with your family. But without that, um been doing a little research for the podcast, but I have been able to watch a few um Korean baseball games. The KBO is alive and well with uh former Br- Atlanta Braves great Preston Tucker as the MVP front runner. So shout out Preston. Oh boy. Thanks. Oh, wait. Wrong Preston. <laughs> Wrong Preston. Time out. Oh. <laughs> nice little segue though, Mr. No, shout Preston. Out everybody how, are you, Preston. how are you getting your sports fix these days? So uh from a sports fix perspective, I am pretty limited. Actually, tonight I was eating at a restaurant, which is an odd occasion. I'm out of town for work, and I was watching it was a women's golf reality show. So times mm-hmm. are tough out there in the sports world, <laughs> gonna be honest. It was it was rough. Uh gonna be honest, didn't know who anybody was on the women's pro circuit. It was a reality TV show. Uh and they were all I mean, their swings looked better and they hit it out of the bunkers better, but other than that, their putting was a lot like mine. So there you go. I was not that impressed. But <laughs> Doing a little bit of that NASCAR and uh, golf returned this past weekend. So hopefully, hopefully things are on the up and up. I also read 
that California has given the thumbs up, whereas they had given the thumbs down on pro sports in the state. So I did hear hoping that, yeah. that that is a indication of things. California to come. and Texas. Yeah. The past yeah, yeah. California was one of the ones or it was one of the states that everybody was really worried about when it came to sports because they've been extraordinarily stricter than the majority of the country when it comes to the coronavirus stuff. And uh, so to see that come out of the governor's mouth today was a little bit of a surprise, but it's also a good step forward for sports. That's for sure. Uh, wrap it up with uh, how are you getting your sports fix there? Chandler. Uh, doing a couple things, you know, uh, we've been having some great weather recently, which has lent itself, um, to going out hitting, uh, some softballs around, uh, with a buddy of mine the other day. And, uh, one thing that we didn't even touch on, but all of us, the four of us got to go out and play golf a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, it seems like so long ago now, but, um, that was a ton of fun. And so been playing a lot of golf, um, over the past probably six weeks, probably more than I did all of last year, which has been nice. And uh, other than that, you know, always getting caught up with whatever ESPN is doing. You know, they've got, you know, cornhole championships, you know, dart throwing. I think I saw axe throwing, Red Bulls cliff diving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. you know, just a lot of a lot of just uh, lot of <laughs> nonsense going on in ESPN world. But it's keeping my attention pretty good right now. Yeah. And I mean. With the world we're living in right now, that's all it's about is trying to find something that gives you that little bit of that, you know, competitive feeling, no matter what it is, whether it's cornhole, whether it's women's reality TV golf, uh, you know, it just it just is what it is. Whatever gives you that little bit of a, you know, mm, you know, watching your team win, whoever you pick to win, giving you that little excitement, giving you that giving you that little boost in your day, seeing a victory that you've been hoping and waiting for. But Long last, here we are, headed into the summer. We have no baseball. One of the things that we've talked about before on this podcast and that I've been pretty adamant about is the simple fact that Major League Baseball just seemed to take its sweet time in trying to figure out exactly what it wanted to do. Now, I understand that they knew that they had a little bit of time going into the season with the virus starting to kick up right there at the end of February, early March. They, we all knew it was going to happen eventually. We hoped it wouldn't, but we knew it would. But to this day, there is still no plan in place. There's been a bunch of plans put out there, uh, a couple theories, a couple ideas. And so what I want to do is I want to, I just want to do this quick uh, segment with all of you guys. And we've all done our research on this, but we, I want to know what has been your favorite proposal whether it's been outlandish or whether it's been pretty straightforward so far to getting the major league baseball season up and running again we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw this one over to chandler first yeah my favorite um when i heard about it was the idea of doing spring training at the home parks for all of the mlb teams and um i just think it would be a really cool kind of -of one-of-a-kind experience uh, Brandon, you and I got a chance to go to spring training a number of years ago. That's right. And totally different because you've got players showing up. Some of them don't care at all to swing the bat. They're just looking at balls and they're just trying to get their focus back in. They're trying to just be reading pitches and that's all they're doing in spring training. And then, um, you know, whether they're going to do split squads or anything like that, you know, who knows, but it's just total, it's a totally relaxed, different atmosphere. Nobody's playing for anything. Records don't matter. Um, you know, you got pitchers that are going out there and they're trying some new stuff. Same with, um, your, your fielders and your batters. And so, um, I think that would be super cool. Just kind of that hybrid, uh, spring training that they're talking about doing kind of the 
three weeks or so in June. And I think it'd be a great way to kind of get fans uh, to that. And so that, that would be kind of the only stipulation there is can fans show up and actually experience that? And I think they could do something really cool. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the biggest question for every single one of these proposals is what does it look like for fans? Yeah. Is it going to be allowed? How long are fans not going to be allowed? And we'll dive a little bit more in that later, but uh, but yeah, I, I love that idea. I think that being able to have spring training in the home cities where players or fans hopefully would be able to show up for some sort of capacity to be able to see the young guys, to be able to see the work ethic and all that that goes into it. Because spring training really is a special thing. So a, a unique opportunity for sure. How about you, Kyle? What do you, what do you, what has been your favorite proposal so far? Yeah, I really like what Chandler said there about uh, having spring training at home. Spring training is also important just to get players time to get warmed up so they're not getting hurt Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season but uh my favorite proposal in all of it was the idea of doing a shortened season or essentially playing just the second half of the season but um only allowing teams to play teams within their division so that you have your you know your divisional rankings are set up with the shortened season but also kind of eliminating the cross-country travel and making sure teams are playing within the same geographic region so if the Braves weren't playing against you know Phillies Nats Marlins they'd be going and playing against like the Cardinals mm-hmm. or somebody, you know, within the same general the East Coast region rather than thing. going all the way across and playing the Dodgers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like that idea. Um, I think with doing that, they'd probably have to expand rosters too. Um, Cause looking at the shortened season, you'd be pushing, you know, November, December for playoffs, which would mm-hmm. obviously be tough in a lot of situations and a lot of ballparks because of weather, but we'll see how it goes. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're a fan for mostly of the current proposal that is on the table for the most part, uh, and it, it's just a straightforward plan. It's there's nothing abnormal about it um, that you look at and you go, "Wow, that's a crazy idea." It's it's a realistic plan. It's an easy plan to put in place, and obviously there's some quirks too, and some things that people like and don't like, things that we, we as fans like and don't like. And we'll get again, we'll get a little bit more into that once we get through this segment, but. Uh, I know Preston, you you have uh, talked with us before about some of the stuff that's going on in Major League Baseball, and I know that you have a favorite uh, proposal that you have even thrown a little bit of your own concept into. So, what w- what exactly does that look like? So, I don't know if anybody's heard about the dividing up into three divisions, but going to Florida, Texas, Arizona, based off of a little bit of geographic region. But I had also read a crazy proposal of physically dividing geographically almost like a cross um, across the state, right? So you divide North and South, East and West, and then you play within a regional division. Um, I think if we're going to do baseball weird, let's go ahead and do it, it really weird. Yeah, for real. Like go all the way and say, you know what? All the teams in new England are now going to form a new England league. All the teams in the Southeast are going to form a Southeastern league. And all the teams in the West Coast form a West League or something divided up like a Midwest West or something like that to where if we're going to do it weird, it's going to be. Yep. Let's do it really weird because I think the biggest thing is, is that whoever wins the World Series this year is going to have an asterisk by their name and you can't avoid that. Yeah. So if we're going to put an asterisk, let's put an asterisk because all the vi- all the divisions got shaken up and we had some seriously crazy uh, cross rivals. Um, you know, you're talking about Mets and Yankees being in the same division, um, and fans only having to drive to 
to games instead of having to fly or travel or whatever. So I think that from a fan perspective too, that makes a lot of sense because me being in the Chattanooga area, you know, I can drive to an Atlanta game where I could drive to Miami or Tampa and not have to get on a plane and go to an away game. I mean, it starts to make sense for fans too, you know, especially with social distancing, if they'll let us in the parks. So, right. Yeah. And I mean, for my answer, I'm right there with Preston. I think that the weirder, the better when it comes to the season. I, I mean, I remember in, um, you know, 1995 when the Braves won their world series, that it's, that was a shortened season as well. Uh, and the, idea behind just making it as strange as possible makes that asterisk feel okay i think that uh you know being the braves being able to be like hey astros we're in the same division now because we used to be in the same division back in 1995 and so now we're going to play the astros we're going to play uh just these crazy teams that we would never think of playing some uh, the chicago teams could be in our division both of them like preston said in chicago white Sox, chicago cubs could happen more than just one time a year, uh, you know, things like that. I, I think that at this point, Major League Baseball has an awesome opportunity to look at this season and go, let's try some new things. One of the biggest holdbacks, one of the biggest setbacks that Major League Baseball has had, especially under uh, Manfred, it has been its marketing. Uh, we're losing fans, and I think that's a travesty. And this season could be a way to create new fun things, to roll out new rules, to roll out some things that you've had in the think tank for a while. And to put them into practice to try and create a new atmosphere, to create new fun, to make the game different and more marketable to the generation that is coming up behind us. Uh, and so that's just where I'm at. To me, I'm with Preston. I like the plan that's been presented that Kyle talked about. I like, uh, you know, Chandler talking about um, spring training being at home ballparks. I like all of that, but uh, I'm right there with you, Preston. I think the weirder, the better when it comes to this upcoming season. And uh, with that all being said, the uh, proposal is on the table. It is out there. What Major League Baseball and the owners have agreed to, the players haven't agreed to it yet. The MLBPA and the owners are now going to go into their back and forth just like they would for any other agreement. And they're going to set new rules and boundaries for the season. Things like 30-man roster expansion, uh, playoffs in November, um, you know, just all these different rules starting in July, hopefully with a shortened spring training in June. Uh, to get players properly warmed up and all that kind of stuff. But the biggest holdup, the biggest thing that is keeping people or keeping this sport from coming back, of course, is money. When I say that, I'm talking about profit sharing, which is what the owners want, versus prorated portions, which the owners have already agreed to with the players. So now the owners are changing their mind. And so that that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, we're going to come at you with some honesty and some truth right now because we're fans just like everybody else that is listening to this. And I can say for me personally, as a fan of this sport, part of me just wants to look at the players and look at Blake Snell, look at Bryce Harper. These guys are speaking up about not getting the money that they feel like they deserve because they're taking on all this risk and they're doing all of that. You know, I want my money for my prorated amount of games. I don't want to profit share because that could cost me more money. And I'm just looking at them like you guys are making millions of dollars anyways. The average fan myself not making anywhere near that. And all I want in this time of separation and chaos is sports. I want baseball. So I, from an owner's perspective, look at this and I think, I don't 
I don't see what they're doing wrong. The profit sharing could turn out to be even more profitable for the players, depending on how the season goes, depending on if fans are allowed back into the stadiums. There's all sorts of variables that allow for players to actually make more money than what their current prorated portion is. So to me, I look at this and I, you know, I want to say shame on the players, but I'm not naive. I understand there's two sides of the argument. um, And I would love to hear y'all's perspective on this current situation. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, <clears throat> I've been listening to a ton of stuff on this, just trying to understand all the financial sides of, of this. And obviously that's well above any of our pay grades. And so, you know, we sort of only have an outside looking in, uh, view of this. You know, there's a couple guys, um, out there that are sort of recapping this, uh, for us. Shout out to Rosenthal. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and oh so we, uh, so, so kind of what I'm seeing and, and where I'm just at is similar to kind of what you're saying, Brandon, is that, you know, these players, they've got their money and they're just wanting to hang on to that. And we as fans obviously can't see, like, we can't stand in those shoes and like understand that idea. We're only coming from the fact of like, we have no sports. And that's, that's a large reason of why. We love Atlanta. That's the large reason of why wherever these major league teams are sitting or minor league teams are sitting, you know, that baseball is America's pastime and it's why people love the city that they're in if they've got baseball a lot of the times. And so, you know, I think it's important to get the product on the field. I think that it's important for uh, us to be building in new fans. Um, like you said, I mean, we've got to be, uh, you know, I don't know that between everything that's going on now and then, you know, there's been conversations of potentially a strike happening, you know, next year. And can baseball survive what little of baseball will have this year and then a strike next year and the development that's not going to happen? You know, uh, there's just so many different things. And, you know, yeah, I think I think I understand a little bit of what the players are saying of like, OK, well, when you cross that bridge, you know, how do you backtrack that? For next year but at the same time when you've had no sports like i just i think it's a low risk high reward situation honestly for players because i think that the teams that are not used to seeing sold out stadiums are going to see sold out stadiums because people just want anything at this point sure. and, and so you know at the end of the day um you know i think that they you know i don't think service time is going anywhere so you know players are getting that service time and, and they're not being locked down from a contractual standpoint um, we're just asking them to shave a little bit off the top end. And, um, you know, like you said, sitting up here in the cheap seats, uh, it seems like an easy decision that's to right. tell somebody that isn't. That's right. <laughs> so that's, that's right. just, uh, that's kind of my, my feelings on it. Yeah. That's a lot of good points there. Um, I feel like it's kind of a double edged sword because you have the players that have already agreed to a prorated salary for the shortened season. So they're going to get somewhere around 50% of what their yearly contract designated for this year. But you have the the owners who most of them have other business ventures where they're already drawing revenue and their net worth is probably a lot higher than a single baseball player who's just making money off of that plus yep. their endorsements. So it's, you know, if we don't end up having games, the players and the owners are both losing that money. But if we end up having games, it's just the owners. So it's kind of like, which do you ask to take the bigger pay cut? Because the players... They're going out there. They're obviously putting their bodies on the line playing, risking injury, but also risking possibly getting sick. And obviously, you know, we're not going to go into a pathology course, but we know what the risks of contracting the virus. Um, 
I-E-N-B-A. Yeah. Shout out to Rudy Gobert. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you're asking them to go out there, be around a ton of other dudes, possibly risk it, you know, spending time away from their families. The list goes on and on. Um, so it's kind of like, which one do you look at to say, all right, bite the bullet, take the pay cut this year, and then it'll come back and you'll get paid next year if we put a product on the field this year. And if we don't and it turns into a strike, then, you know, where do we go from there? Everybody's losing money. So there's a lot of back and forth, obviously, and I can see why they haven't come to a conclusion. But, you know, until there's some one way has to give, there has to be leeway one way or the other. So we'll see what happens yeah. with that. There's, and I really like there's definitely no way there's definitely no way you look at this and you see a win win scenario. No, uh, players not. don't win if the owners win. The owners don't win if the players win. And no matter what you do, as Chandler said, coming up next year, and Kyle, you alluded this to as well, um, possible strike coming up next year, because next year with the new MLB um, agreement that's going to be brought to the table, the because the, they're renegotiating all the different rules and regulations and everything like that uh, for Major League Baseball between the owners and the players. And uh, whoever wins here, I don't know if you want to win, because if you win here, you might not be able to win next year right. when the players go on strike if the owners win this time for example the players most likely will go on strike because then they're going to try owners are going to try and force their hand and say listen you already let us do it this one time for this half season look how well it worked out but they don't want to do that and so yeah i mean i think that there's a lot of things at risk here uh for both sides and i get it uh but it's somebody's got to lose and i don't think that um it's possible for everybody to be happy here so yeah and i like the press or excuse me, Chandler mentioned, you know, service time. Cause you've got a lot of big name players. You've got like Mookie Betts with the Dodgers. You've got Trevor Bauer, JT real Muto, Josh Donaldson, you know, a lot of players who are on huge one year contracts that'll be free agents at the end of this. Cause service time applies to this year, whether they play or not. And so there's a lot of teams out there, owners, especially that stand to lose a lot by not getting that year of service out of those high, high priced premium star players that they're not going to get if they don't play. So I feel like those owners are going to be the first ones to push and say, all right, we agree to this. We footed the bill. You know, we either traded high quality prospects or paid out a lot of money last year to get these guys now. And then they're not going to get their, you know, their full season or their full second season out of them. So that's going to hurt them a lot. So that'll definitely come into play in the negotiations too. Yeah, you know, talking talk about Mookie Betts, talk, you know, looking at the Dodgers, you know, they're, they're bankrolling one of the most expensive teams in Major League Baseball. And so, yeah, I mean, you've got to think that those owners are in a way different spot than, say, like the Royals or the Mariners or Miami, you know. But uh, and, and so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the owners themselves can come to an agreement, I think. Um, and we'll hear from the players, I think, next, because I think, you know, obviously the owners have sort of submitted um, stuff and and who knows how relevant any of this is going to be in a couple days. Um, but that will be interesting to see, because I think that even if you have a half season and you have no fans and the owners take losses, I think at the end of the day, teams like the Dodgers who are saying we went all in for this to be our year, they they want to see a product on the field regardless of what that has to cost them now because they're sort of all in and now they're just going to kind of double down on it. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if true. we see that. That's true. I mean, and we as fans, we just want something. 
Uh, I think at the end of the day, we could honestly care less what it is as long as it's something. But at what point are we going to see Major League Baseball just step in and be like, listen, to be completely honest with you guys, or not Major League Baseball, but the owners, and just step up to the players and be like, listen, if you don't play a single game, you don't get anything. That's the rule. You agreed to a prorated portion of your contract, which means if you don't step on the field, you don't even get that. At what point does that card get played to them to say, listen, if we're not bringing fans into these games, we're already taking a huge hit. Why in the world are we going to pay you to be on the field? Because obviously it's, it's more to, it's, you're, you know, you're looking at this from a perspective of, I want as much money as I can possibly make. Well, no, and they're giving MLB, you an opportunity right MLB now. MLB contracts to offer are that. guaranteed. So the prorated pay is because we haven't had half a season, the players agreed to that to help out the owners. So they still have to pay them whether they play or not, unless they develop a new agreement. So the owners are I'm, still having to eat the money. Are you 100% positive about that? Because yeah. as far MLB as I'm concerned, the new guaranteed. agreement on their contracts, I know they're guaranteed, but as far as I'm concerned right now, from what I've heard, is that the contracts are now prorated per games played. And if they play no games, how do they get money? I thought it was that it was prorated for a shortened season. So that, oh, no, I, you yeah, know, essentially I'd, saying, I'd, we didn't I'd get a first half, so we're only going to pay you half of your year. But they agreed upon so that before sure. they knew how many games they were going to play. Right, so that was kind of well, like the players saying, we can, we're going to we, take a pay cut, but the owners you know, are taking the risk of, okay, we're only going to get half a season out of you, but we may end up getting no season. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Yeah. And I mean, so I'll be interested to figure that out because my, cause my biggest question or really the biggest thing that I would say to that is that, you know, let's say they don't get that guaranteed money. Let's say that um, the way this breaks down is they get paid per game. And if there is no game, then there is no pay. People like Mookie Betts are not going to see the same contract in 2021 that they were offered for the 2020 season. It, it, it's just he's another year older. He didn't play for a full year. You have all of this liability now on these players that you were saying we've seen what they can do and we know they can keep doing it. Well, this is unprecedented where people are going a full year with not playing. I, I mean, obviously you had, you know, strikes and stuff in the past, but you know, in this day and age, and the kind of money that we're spending now, um, I, you know, I think I, I don't see any way Mookie Betts gets an even similar contract uh, to what he saw in for the 2020 season. So, um, again, kind of talked about, you know, what cards do you play and when? Um, I think the players and the owners have have a full hand um, and it'll just be, you know, kind of a bloodbath to see what gets us to the finish line. Yeah, I think that the um at the end of the day, like we said earlier, it, it's a win-lose situation. Nobody nobody is expecting this to be a win-win scenario and there's players that need to get on the field to be completely honest to be able to earn that contract for next year. And there's some and there's players that don't need to get on the field that are going to get paid no matter what come next year. Um but I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's a really tough situation. It's a really tricky situation because we as fans, we want sports. I get where players are at. I get where owners are at. Somebody has to give. So who's going to give? Preston, you haven't really weighed in on this a lot yet. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I feel like the owners took a certain amount of perceived risk when they bought a baseball franchise. Um, And so when it comes to, you know, who's got to eat the risk, that's what you have to really 
take into consideration? Who's going to eat the financial risk? And I feel like right now the current talks are a lot of shared risk, whereas the owners want to mitigate how much they're necessarily taking on. And what I mean by that point is that the losses they want to distribute, but then they want to maintain the gains because they're saying, well, I took the risk. And so therefore I should be able to, you know, see the upside. Well, yes, that's correct. Because when, you know, a team wins a world series, it's the owners that see a lot of that upside. Well, the players negotiated a salary that was, yes, there is probably some sort of a game component there, right? You've got make it to the playoffs and get X amount of dollars, make it to the uh, World Series, get X amount of dollars. Yes, that is built in there. But ultimately what you're talking about is they were guaranteed a certain amount of money to put their efforts out on the field. They took the risk by pursuing this career, not necessarily taking the risk by playing major league baseball, I guess. And so I feel like it's on the owners essentially to pay them what they're actually valued at. Now prorated to me makes a lot of sense there because they didn't play as much baseball. Therefore there's not as much revenue coming in. But if you're going to ask the players to not be able to participate in as much of the upside as a successful baseball franchise does, because there's so much that goes into it, not just actually playing baseball. If you're going to ask them to not necessarily participate in the upside, you have to guarantee them something in the downside. And I think that that's where the ultimate struggle is between the MLBPA and the owners uh, is that who's going to participate in the upside and who now that we have a big downside is going to participate. I tell you one uh, organization that is not paying for this is Wimbledon uh, coming out big on top with the uh, insurance policy. But if ultimately, you know, it, that's a, I said that in jest, but really ultimately, if owners were serious about, you know, mitigating their risk, they would have all had pandemic insurance policies and all been paying that. That way they would have been paid out and everybody would have been covered. Well, they didn't. So the players need to be paid. That's how, that's how I feel. I looked it up real quick, Brandon. So both of us were kind of right on that. So per the current agreement, they're agreed to pay a prorated salary per the games played. However, there was an agreement that players would receive a $170 million advance. I don't know how that's split up among players, if it's an equal amount per player, or if it's you know based on your percentage of your team's salary. Um, but it's $170 million advance that's supposed to be paid out by May 24th. So as of us recording this, that's next week. If no games are played, that's the only guaranteed money for this year. But if they pay or if they play rather, then it's a prorated salary. So essentially they made a down payment on their salaries for 2020. And if it goes through, then we'll get prorated salaries. But if not, the owners are still having a foot 170 mil. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's going to get paid something, whether there's a game played or not, or all the players are going to get paid something, whether there's a game or not. It just kind of depends on the amount. Um, so thank you for looking that up. That's in fact finding there from professor Kyle, uh, bringing it to you <laughs> live on the cheap seat sports podcast. Um, but at the end of the day, Preston, you're completely right. The owners took on a lot of risk. The players took on a lot of risk, but it's the owner's responsibility to control that risk for their players, uh, because they signed contracts to them. So they're responsible to them just as any CEO would be responsible to their employees. 
that are underneath them. And um, so, I mean, that's a fair point. I think that at the end of the day, it can't be repeated enough. Uh, we just want sports back, however that looks like. So Major League Baseball, we understand that you're set to lose $640,000 every game that there's not fans in the stadium. We understand that. We understand that you're set to lose over 50% of your national revenue that you gain every year from a Major League Baseball season. Uh, now projecting to mix only somewhere around $5 billion versus 10 to $13 billion that you're used to. We get it. But we as fans want baseball. Players, we understand that you want to make the money that you feel like you deserve. Uh, we understand that you're taking on risk by stepping onto that field, especially if you're going into a free agent year coming in 2021. Uh, we get that. We understand that you're being separated from your families, but we want to see baseball on the field. So if, if any of you people out there that are important or playing Major League Baseball or leading Major League Baseball as an organization, the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast just wants you on the field to figure your crap out. <laughs> also, if you would like consulting services, we are relatively cheap. So that's right. We would be happy to give you any 100%. sort of opinion that you would like. Just give us box seats in those plug, empty plug, stadiums plug. that you're going to be playing in. And we're yeah. set. <laughs> Keep us away yeah. from everybody else. You got it. <laughs> also, Atlanta Braves, we are for hire to put on the field. I play a mean left field. Chandler plays uh, a little bit of second base, uh, and I can probably hit the ball at least to second base on a line. So there you go. We'll win the World Series for you. Not not Give off 98. Let's be honest, not off 98 <laughs> miles per hour. Well, no. If, I mean, if you're pitching, then I can hit that. How about that hey, person? There you, you can, go. You can play. You can play for the Tampa Bay, uh, formerly known Devil Rays. Shout out Fred McGriff. Someone's banging on um, a trash please. can. You might be able to hit it. <laughs> Shout out the rookie. Who's that? I think. Oh, the movie. Oh yeah. I think another interesting. I think another interesting thing that the coronavirus is having an effect on is the actual pipeline for professional sports in general. Yes. Um. So I was talking to my cousin. So my family is kind of, uh, I've got one of those uncle cousins who he is my cousin, but he's in his mid forties <laughs> and I'm in my mid twenties. That sounded, so that sounded like cousin. it was going to be way stranger than it actually yeah, ended up. I thought that was, yeah, I was really, I that was coming out way different. It's not, it's not like that. You say it's not like that. I got one of them uncle it's, brothers. Hey, it's a hey, cousin old enough to be I'm, my uncle. Okay. I'm from the South. Better than a brother cousin. Anyways, his, uh, his son is a, uh, rising track star in the Atlanta area. He, uh, runs for an Episcopal school in, uh, the north side of Atlanta. And fun fact, you cannot get recruited, nor can you be posted on any sort of website and officially open your recruiting without an SAT or ACT score. And my cousin's son has been signed up for four SATs that have been canceled and therefore it is his it's been it would have been his junior year of track season um he was looking at getting some pretty significant offers uh coming up in the fall and this is going to be this is going to be sports wide so it really doesn't matter for the class of 2021 um but if any of those kids don't have SAT or ACT scores they can't officially be recruited or have any of their stats posted so we are the effects of this are really going to be a lot longer than we originally anticipated, especially oh, sure. in the high school, in the uh, college and all of that. I mean, if kids don't play this fall, do you give them another year? Because Joe Burrow without his senior season does not get drafted, period. I really don't care what anybody says out there. Until his senior season, he doesn't get drafted. That's true. NCAA has already announced that they're going to extend um, 
eligibility to all players that have been impacted by this already. But you can't change that in high school. You can't stay for a fifth year in high school like you can in college. I mean, I guess you technically can if you really want to. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know of any high schooler that would really want to. I mean, unless I guess, I mean, you're right, Preston. This this is a economical shift for all sports, but it's not just economical, which is what we just spent a lot of time talking about. It is absolutely personable to so many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of athletes across this country that are missing out on an opportunity to be recruited out of high school, to be recruited into professional sports. And I, you're, I mean, we're going to see impacts of this for, I think, years to come due to the setback that everybody's going to be going through from. Yeah, for sure. And just, I don't want to circle back too far, but just going and talking about, you know, do the owners win now or do they win later? And is their product going to get on the field and how much money is going to be made? You know, but you, you just press and kind of hit on, you know, the way that colleges are going to be impacted as far as like what they're going to be offering as far as scholarships and things like that. And, and the eligibility of, of seniors going into college, but you know, if owners are losing millions and millions of dollars per game, how much is that going to limit the investment on future talent? And this ties back into everything that we're talking about with new fans, new players, and just being able to continue that consistent stream of top talent that we're used to seeing. Um, I think you're going to see a big hit. I mean, they've already, um, I think that they've already officially shortened the draft to, uh, is, is it just five rounds now? Um, yep, I don't know if they had finally settled on that or not, but that's just insane. And yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of guys that are going into the minors and, you know, unfortunately they're probably not going to see the show. Uh, so I, I don't totally hate it from that standpoint that, you know, you're sort of giving people a reality check there, but, um, I mean, who knows? I mean, there, there are great players. I don't have them in front of me, but I'm sure the list could go on of late round MLB players that had a huge impact on the game that are now not seeing that same opportunity because of what's happening now. And they're not going to see that opportunity, like you said, as this sort of ripple effect happens. And so it will be, um, just, you know, I mean, that's just another reason to get the product on the field and get some revenue flowing. And, uh, and I, and I think as fans, we've got to, we've got to be in support of any plan, uh, that happens, you know, that, 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 yeah, that allows to that. get the game on the field yeah, for a, sure. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, it's, it's shortened to five rounds this year and 20 rounds next year, which sounds like a lot, but that's still shortened from the norm. It's also going to delay the start of the international signing period. So you have international players that aren't going to be signed until January. So you're backing that up as well as a transaction freeze that's being put in place and it'll temporarily prevent, you know, any roster moves from minors up to majors or vice versa until yep. both sides, the MLBPA and the um, owners agree when to lift it. Cause the owners obviously, you know, they're going to pay players more whenever they get called up. So mm-hmm. I'm going to wrap up this section. There. I'm going to wrap up this section with this, folks, is a sports recession. If you think about a recession, right, it's not just one thing, right? It's a domino effect. We are currently looking at the first or second dominoes by sports not happening, but I we are far from over in this crisis. That's right. And I think that this is going to be affecting. I mean, this ultimately could be a, th- it, it could be three or four years before we're back to normal. It could be 10 years before yeah, sports yeah, recovers yeah. from this. And that's just and with think- coronavirus stuff going on. That's not even in, really, I don't think including potential strike and, and all these other changes that are going to happen. I think that that's just what we know for sure 
and how that's going to affect what's going to happen. And that's kind of the scary thing in this and in, in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And this the, is just I, talking about the MLB too. Like college football, they're having recruiting restrictions right now. Yeah. You know, they can't have players on campus and stuff like that, which is obviously going to affect, you know, the pipeline into the NFL, but it goes down the pipeline to high school. You've got high schoolers, you know, as Preston mentioned with those, uh, cousin that's running track that's not going to be able to get recruited because he can't take his tests. It's the same thing throughout high school sports altogether. You know, you have seniors that aren't going to get their senior seasons or seniors from last year that already had them canceled for the spring sports. You've got a lot of young budding athletes that are either going to miss out on scholarships or not get to the D one school that they thought they were going to get to. Cause they didn't get to finish out that senior season. If their junior season was a bust or if they got hurt or something, but they have the talent, they didn't get to put that product on the field and get that tape in. So they're not going to get recruited as highly as they should have. So It'll definitely be interesting to see how that shakes out in the future. And like you guys said, you know, that's going to be a, a wave that keeps on rolling. Yep. And the, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, th- I even think we're going to see some bankruptcy and some sell-offs of some major league baseball clubs or some any major league sports clubs. I think that it's going to be happening for the next few years. Um, Mets, we're looking at you. W- yeah, there you go, Mets. We're, we're, we have the cash flow, Mets. Give us a phone call. The cheap seats will buy you out. For what you're worth. You don't turn down J-Lo and A-Rod. That's five dollars. to tell about it. <laughs> five dollars. Um, <laughs> I would like to see, I would like to see more teams go to the Green Bay model where it's more of a player owned, or a, sorry, not player owned, a fan owned organization. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be kind of cool. And maybe you'll see a little bit of a shift there. I think big losers in this situation are your maybe B level teams. Your Tampa Bay Rays, your Mets, your other teams that like may make a little bit of glimmer of hope and maybe a ripple here or there. Those are the big losers. I think the people with big money are the big winners always. Uh, in college, you've got your big winners are your D1 schools, SEC, Big Ten, ACC, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Your big losers are D2, D3, and AA teams. I think those are the big losers in the situation because they're the talent that they're pulling from haven't, haven't even come close to committing and they're not active on Twitter. As we can see, if anybody follows SEC recruiting right now, it seems like whoever has the most, uh, efficient Twitter mob can determine who's going to get recruited by which team. Yep. That's right. Um, I think that, uh, at the end of the day, as Preston said, as Chandler says, Kyle said, you know, we're all on the same page. This is going to be going on for years and years to come. And, uh, Lord knows when it'll end, but at the end, what we want to see is we want to see sports back on the field and part of the agreement that's currently on the table. And, uh, we're just going to do a round Robin, just fire it off. Somebody answer the question. Give me your argument. We're going to go back and forth real quick. Cause this is going to be our spitfire segment right here. The number one thing that is in this agreement that is probably more controversial to fans than anything else is they want to bring the DH to the National League. And I'm going to say it first. No, thank you. Don't want it. Hate it. Dumb idea. Let the pitchers hit. Pitchers rake. Hashtag pitchers go deep. Hashtag chicks love the long ball. Shout out to the Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin commercial from back in the 90s. No DH in the National League. That's my argument. I'm not even going to get to statistical with it. It just takes the fun out of the game. Do well, we want to say it in to unison? Your, or? Your, your exciting things from the <laughs> 90s. Let me hit you with this, a little bit of facts. 
Last year, pitchers collectively hit 115. Even the worst position <laughs> players that you would ever consider to be a DH would absolutely smoke that. Pick the worst position hitter off of every team. I guarantee you Second base. 115. BJ if your argument is that, you know, players like <laughs> Grinky and Bumgarners are great hitters, okay, sure. There's exceptions to every Kyle, single Kyle, norm you can come Kyle, up with. But if you're that hellbent on hitting over someone else out. on your roster, the DH is an optional position. A pitcher can still hit for themselves. If you're listen, the manager, Brandon, the and you DH, still want your pitcher to hit, let them hit. The DH, listen, the you know DH what? If, if it's a pitcher's off day, they can still hit as a DH. a National League manager. It takes the I don't fun want to out hear about strategy. You, you can still you let your pitcher, pitcher hit. DH is optional. Max Freed pitch runs all the time. Same thing. You can you let got a pitcher, the pitcher coming pinch up, hit. Kyle, in the seventh inning, throwing a gym, but you're you're only up by one run. You have the bases loaded. What do you do as a manager? Well, if you have a DH in that spot, you don't do anything. That's not exactly. Fun. You exactly. win the game by seven. You get to watch Austin it Riley hit a grand slam, and you're thrilled. Out of the game. Takes yeah, but it gives the it game. gives the American League a significant unfair advantage in the exactly. All Star game. So I think that's why they've won a, more World Series since the DH has been. A thing. Well, because they always get home field advantage because some reason somebody decided that the all-star game was a great time to decide that. Not sure when that <laughs> happened. I think it was sometime in like the late nineties, early two thousands, but that was stupid. Yeah, that was a dumb rule. But I mean, the DH doesn't belong in the National League, Kyle, and there there's no convincing me otherwise. I don't believe in your opinion. I don't think that it's real. So you know <laughs> That's what? Fine. That's hard. fine. I <laughs> listen to yours. Listen to mine. Here's a scenario for you. I'm not My listening to yours, Kyle. No, no. I listen to yours. You're going to listen to mine. Here's a scenario. Listen to the whole thing, and then I'll hear your rebuttal. Mike Fultonevich is pitching a two-hit shutout through eight innings. He's only thrown 80 pitches. He's up. Bases are loaded. You've seen Mike Fultonevich hit. It's scary. Your bullpen is gassed because you played a because you played a double hitter or excuse me a double header last night in what you saw four a four hour afternoon game and then a thirteen inning barn burner that totally wiped out your bench totally wiped out your bullpen thanks to the shortened season. Would you rather take a chance on him swinging wildly at three pitches, knowing he's going to strike out and hope he makes contact? Would you allow him to stay locked in? He gets to pitch the ninth inning and win it because you've got. I don't know. You pick for DH. Charlie Culberson, Austin Riley, Johan Camargo to take the plate in that high pressure situation they're used to. They're already warmed up. Or you can pinch hit for Fulty, bring in somebody cold off the bench who wasn't in the game that day. They're coming in cold. You're also going to take out your pitcher that's been dominating and put in a tired reliever from yesterday. Not to mention, in this whole situation, you're trusting Brian Snicker to make the right decision. You dang right I am. <laughs> Yikes. You darn tootin' that I'm I'm betting on him to make the right choice because he does it more often than not. Listen, Kyle, mm. Mm. I co- I know what the point in the advantages of the DH is. That doesn't mean that it is a strategical ch- alteration to the game that just doesn't need to be made. I am a guy that sits on the my seat as a fan and I watch the game from a strategical perspective. And I'm not saying every fan does. So that's why I understand that people have different under or different understandings of the ups and downs of DHs. But from a strategical standpoint, I love the moment when a manager has to make that gut decision, that gut call. Because if it if it comes out and he comes out of the game and the relief pitcher comes in and we get shelled and we lose after he was pitching a gym 
everybody gets mad at the manager because he made the wrong gut decision. But it's that gut decision that makes the game interesting. It makes it fun. It makes it makes you want to tune into the next one to see what decision he's going to make next. It also makes that, you hate being a Braves fan, though, because our bullpen has been trash and our bench players are some of the best that we've seen in so long. And so that's kind of my thing is that, you know, just looking at a personal level of being a Braves fan, when you look how at how deep our bench is and you look at how horrible our bullpen has been, then especially if you're looking at that closer spot, who the heck knows is going to fill that role. Um, I, well, now we've got everybody and their mother in the bullpen that's a closer. Yeah, so yeah, a, closer yeah exactly. Right and so, you know, but yes, yeah, my, right. my, my whole thing, you know, that I'm kind of coming from is a, a little bit of a different angle, but it's sort of in addition to because I get kind of the points that Kyle's making. But for me, they're already making changes to the pitching spot. You know, they're introducing the uh, three batter rule and, and all of this stuff. What they're doing is they're asking pitchers to shift and adapt their position they're not asking any other player on the field to shift how they do their position they're saying hey you're a pitcher you need to be a pitcher and that we're going to sort of take this strategic kind of one batter i'm going to you know take the guy that's going to throw right-handed to this lefty you know and stuff like that you know so my whole thing there is that we're we're expecting pitchers to be more like pitchers and i think that we need to be looking at hitters to be more like hitters and I think that you're going to see a lot more opportunity, especially, you know, I don't know if that expands the roster any. And so you're seeing more guys getting some playing time because you have those those positions. I would have loved to keep Evan Gaddis because the dude just looked like a boss and could hit bombs. But there just wasn't a spot for him. But there would have been if we had that. And so, you know, there's a little bit of sentiment there, obviously, that we can't carry into every game. But for me, I think the league is moving to pitchers need to be pitchers and hitters need to be hitters. And I don't think it's a bad idea. Gosh, yeah, Chandler. and you've got I'm sorry, Marcelo man. Zuna that we just signed. Everybody's so thrilled about his bat, but the only complaints I hear is, "Oh, his sh- he has a shoulder injury and he can't throw from the outfield anymore." Well, hello, that solves that problem. Plug him in a DH, let him rake. Your argument at the beginning of this, Brandon, was chicks dig the long ball. They Mike Fultonevich ain't pitchers. hit the long ball, no, hey, sir. If if he makes contact with one of those pitches, it's going a long way because he swings out of his shoe a long way to the second baseman. <laughs> Straight up in the air. <laughs> Listen, I love baseball and I hate that it's losing interest. But if you pull up like highlight videos, you don't see pitchers swinging wildly with the exception of Bartolo Colon. Everybody's hero. Dude, big sexy shout out. Big, yes. You don't see pitchers hacking wildly at three straight and then bumming it back to the bull or the dugout. You see home runs. You see gap doubles clearing the bases. You want to help the game and make it more marketable. Give me more offense in the NL. Give me the DH. No. I don't want it. You didn't win this argument. I might be losing this war due to the amount of people that disagree with me, but I will not succeed or secede to this argument. I no DH in the National League. What say you, Preston? I say give me the DH. There he is. I hate all of you. I quit this podcast. See you later. Bye. Sounds like a great way to wrap it up. Yeah, it is. It's perfect. That 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 is going to bring us to a wrapping point. you know, that's just I, who cares what any of these guys think. You people out there that are listening, you, you're listening because of me. You want the DH just as or oh, wow. just as or you don't want the DH of the National League just as much as I don't want the DH of the Sounds National like League. A man Forget these other three the guys. Wall. Forget these other three guys. They have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, 
But uh, no, yeah, I mean, that that's the fun here, guys, is that we're bringing perspectives from our own position as fans. And um, we love to kid around. But at the end of the day, let's just get let's get baseball back on the field. I know we can all agree with that. And everybody at home can agree with that. So let's do our best to encourage that in any former capacity that we can and not just try and make something political that doesn't need to be political. Um, so we're going to bring this to a close. And at the end of every podcast, we like to um, have a just a quick moment of plugging some companies or some somebody that we know that's doing something, just giving a shout out uh, where we feel like a shout out is deserved. Um, and so we're going to I'm going to throw it over to Kyle and he's going to give us our first one. So I'm going to give my plug of the podcast to Fleet Feet Peachtree City. Um, they are a company that sells running shoes and running apparel, and they've recently partnered with On Running to do a shoe giveaway for healthcare workers and frontline workers, um, helping work in hospitals and clinics, all the above, to help fight the coronavirus and take care of patients of that. So shout out to Fleet Feet Peachtree City and On Running. Um for doing that giveaway and helping take care of our frontline workers and pick Kyle for your giveaway. Oh, they did. Ah, perfect. How about you, Preston? Uh, my shout out is going to be reserved, but also I'm going to give a shout out to Alimentari. It's a great Italian restaurant, but I went to go get my wife dinner there on Sunday night and they were closed. So Ooh. open Aww. on Sundays and you'll get a a hundred percent shout out, but 90% because <laughs> your Noki's pretty fire. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Orvis. Um, I've recently gotten to fly fishing. There's, there's not much more to it. They don't do anything super special. Um, they make good equipment and I decided that I like them. And so I bought some, so for when I go fly fishing, so that's where I'm at Orvis shout out to you. All right. Yeah. So I will, uh, land the plane on this one and, uh, I'm going to throw out fun little name, snow shaved ice and sweet treats. And, uh, it is a mom <laughs> so and pop. Cute. I know dude. it is. And they got a little gnome dude on, uh, on their logo. It's pretty sweet. They are in downtown Woodstock. It is a family run company. My wife and I actually stopped by there after, um, walking around some of the trails in downtown Woodstock. It was super hot. They were out there, um, giving some coupons away. And so we went in, it was a husband and a wife and their son and their daughter all in there making, uh, some just delicious shaved ice. And, They've yeah. got all sorts of flavors. It was crazy. I got like a dream sickle and then they actually are putting like vanilla. You can get vanilla ice cream in the bottom of Whoa. it. Curveball. It's crazy. Baseball reference. Yeah, it is. It is so good and perfect for a hot day. We're getting into the summer months. Everything's starting to open back up. So if you're in downtown Woodstock, it's called Snowmies Shaved Ice and Sweet Treats. Super good. Super great family. Love it. Awesome, guys. Uh, well, just a quick shout out to all of our essential workers out there. I know more companies are opening up, so more people are going back to work. If if you fall into that category at this point, just know that we appreciate you and everything that you're doing, that every day you step outside your front door. We understand the risk that you're taking. Our nurses, our first responders, very appreciative of you for uh, what it is that you do to make sure that people stay healthy uh, throughout this time of uh, pandemic. So thank you to everybody. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to send it over to Kyle. He's going to give, he's going to give us our, our final shout out of all our social media accounts that we would love for you to follow and give us some feedback on. And then he's going to bring us to a close. Yeah. Thanks for listening today. Um, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter by searching us at TCSS podcast and find us on Facebook at the cheap seat sports podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.